scripture reading is Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Again, that's Philippians 3, 12 through 21. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible, the passage can be found on page 981. Please stand in honor of God's holy word. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once more. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity where we have to hear your word preached. We recognize that those who meditate upon the truths of your word are like a tree planted by streams of water that it bears its fruit in season. And so we ask that you would take this word this morning and help us to bear fruit in its time. And may you bless the preaching of your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of you may know that I tend to work out rather early in the morning, twice a week. And I participate in this exercise group that has a four-week exercise schedule. Each week focuses on a different set of exercises. The first week focuses on endurance, and so we do exercises that build cardiovascular strength. The second week focuses on strength and agility, so we do exercises that build muscle strength, but we also work on foot drills to develop agility. And the third week is called interval week. And it focuses on doing as many reps as you can in a short amount of time. It's also called a high-intensity workout. And the fourth week is peak week, where we try and do exercises that push beyond our normal limits. Now, just a disclaimer, I am not a workout junkie. I testify without shame that I am the slowest person in these workouts. Others run, I trot. Some people bust out the reps, I strain to finish. 
But as I think about this exercise cycle, I think about how the most important week in this schedule is actually Endurance Week. Because Endurance Week serves as the foundation of the other weeks in the exercise schedule. If I fail to build sufficient cardiovascular strength to endure, then it's very challenging to do sprints and also to lift weights. Now, I think it's true not only in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense as well, that many of us need a spiritual endurance to live out the Christian faith throughout our lives, because living out the Christian faith over the long haul can sometimes be quite tiring. I mean, we may feel discouraged. We ask ourselves, is it really worth it to follow Jesus? And we feel this way because following Jesus can sometimes be tough. Your classmates may ridicule you for joining other Christians at the flagpole to pray with other believers. Uh, your company may lose a bid because another company underestimated costs, but you wrote a bid reflecting the true cost because of your Christian conviction to tell the truth. Other people may receive a promotion that you want because instead of working on Sundays, you decide to worship with your family on Sunday mornings here at church. Your classmates may give you the holy designation, Holy One, because you pray before your meals and they hear you talk about going to church. And you feel tired. I mean, you feel weary from the ridicule. You feel discouraged that you're not making progress in your career. And some of us may feel spent following Jesus, and we feel our spiritual endurance wane. So how do we develop a spiritual endurance to live out the Christian faith? How do we continue to press on in our spiritual lives? How do we continue metaphorically in this spiritual marathon? What might we do to cultivate a spiritual endurance? So to answer this question, we'll turn our attention to Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And some observe that in this letter, that there are multiple models that are given. You have the model of Jesus Christ. He models humility and service and sacrifice. You have Timothy, who models a faithful ministry co-worker. And you have Epaphroditus, who's willing to put, on, put his life on the line, ultimately for the gospel. And now we have another model, Paul. That Paul is the one who models the spiritual endurance that we should pursue. That he shows us how to continue following Christ even when he is imprisoned and even when his friends abandon him. He shows us what it's like to endure spiritually. So let's look at what he says, what he writes in Philippians chapter 3. So if you haven't turned there already, turn there. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, thank you, Dina, for the scripture reading. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Now, in this passage today, we're going to see that spiritual endurance requires three things. That Paul teaches us that there are three spiritual requirements to develop, to cultivate, to have spiritual endurance. And we need to pursue these things if we are going to develop the endurance needed to follow Christ. So let's talk about the first requirement. Spiritual endurance requires a mind that is focused on knowing Christ. We need to direct the efforts in our lives to know more of Jesus, 
to learn more about him, to deepen in our belief of him, that we need to experience him. That spiritual endurance requires a mind focus on knowing Christ. And Paul writes about this focus. Paul focuses his mind on knowing Christ. And he makes a few comments about this focus. First, he explains that why is it that knowing Christ is his focus? And he answers by saying that he focuses on knowing Christ because it is a proper response to conversion. That placing one's faith in Christ results in one wanting and desiring to know him. Uh, we see him write about this in verse 12. If you turn your attention there, verse 12 says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what has Paul not attained? What is he still striving for? And if you remember in the prior verses, the previous text, the previous passage, Paul talks about how he counts all his Jewish practices rubbish because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying here that he has not obtained this full knowledge yet of Jesus. And the next phrase in this text, in verse 12, it says that he is not already perfect, meaning that this knowledge of Christ is still imperfect, but he looks forward to knowing Christ more. And so this prompts him to press on, to continue to move forward, to deepen in his knowledge of Jesus. This is why he uses the words uh, press on, to continue to strive forward. And this term press on is actually an, an athletic term. It's used in an athletic race, that a runner in a 200-meter race would continue to press on to sprint toward the finish line. And he uses that same type of athletic imagery in this verse and also in our passage this morning. And then Paul gives us a reason for his single-mindedness. Why is he so focused on knowing Christ? And it's because of that last half in verse 12, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That his conversion resulted in a desire to know Jesus. That when he met Jesus on the Damascus road, it put him on a journey to serve him and to know him more deeply. So Paul focuses on knowing Christ because it is a proper response to conversion, to faith in Christ. But how does he do this? How does he focus his mind on Jesus? What method does he follow? So he focuses on knowing Christ by forgetting the past and moving forward in his spiritual life. He lets go of the past so he can continue advancing spiritually. Uh, look at verse 13. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, Paul doesn't dwell on the good things of his past. He doesn't dwell on his Roman citizenship. He doesn't focus on the people he led to Christ. He doesn't focus on the letters that he wrote. And Paul doesn't focus on the bad things of his past either. He doesn't focus on his persecution of the church. He doesn't continue to dwell on the fact that he stood by as a Jew stoned Stephen. He doesn't think of his imprisonment, his own stoning. Instead, he continues to move forward. He continues to serve Christ so that he would know him. And Paul meditates on the scriptures to know him more deeply. Now, just as Paul models this knowing Christ 
by pressing on forward to develop the spiritual endurance, we need to do the same as well. That we need to let go of our past so that we can continue to press on to know Christ more. And if we do this, we're able to develop spiritual endurance. Well, how do we do this? Well, for some of us, letting go of the past is difficult because you think upon the good things that you've done. Maybe that glorious spiritual awakening in your younger years, perhaps maybe in college. You led Bible study, close-knit community, and you found your spiritual growth. It was exponential. And whenever you meet people to talk about your faith, all you can do is think about the glory days of when you are in that community learning about Jesus. And you're not able to focus on the present. And other of us need to let go of the past conflicts that we've been involved with by forgiving people. We need to know how much Christ has forgiven us so that we can extend this forgiveness to other people because these individuals that hold us in conflict are holding us back. It could be a family member who never repaid a financial loan. It could be a spouse who abandoned you. It could have been a father who walked out on the family. If we are to develop a spiritual endurance, then we need to let those things go so that we can press on to see how God is trying to reveal himself to us now. Otherwise, our mind will always be focused, centered on, concentrating on these past hurts and past glories rather than knowing Jesus in the present. So the first requirement for spiritual endurance is a mind that is focused on knowing Christ. So let's move on to the second requirement. What is the second thing required to develop spiritual endurance? The second thing is this, that spiritual endurance requires God's help to keep our minds focused on him. We may not have the spiritual maturity to focus our minds on knowing Jesus, and we need help. We need God's aid. We need his support. Only he can help us keep our minds focused on knowing him. That spiritual endurance requires God's help to keep our minds focused. Now, Paul recognizes this. Paul recognizes that only God can help the Philippians to focus their minds to know Christ. Because not everyone in the Philippian church has this same focus, has this same goal. But some do. Look at verse 13. This is what it says. Brothers, I do not—oh, excuse me— Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So we see in that first half of this verse, let those of us who are mature think this way, that there are people who think like Christ or think like Paul. But there are also some people who do not yet have the same focus. But Paul expects that God will help these who do not have the same focus to develop the same focus. This is his belief that God will reveal these things to them. Now, those who think otherwise may not have the same spiritual pursuits. They may believe in the gospel, but they have not dedicated their lives to the pursuit of knowing Christ more and more. But again, Paul trusts that in time, the Spirit of God will work in them to have that same motivation and also that same desire. Because the desire to know God ultimately comes from God. Now, Paul expects that the Philippian church will ultimately respond to God by submitting to his instructions. He expects believers to focus on knowing Christ and to know him 
deeply. And we see this in this particular verse, in verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. That when we know and have this focus of knowing Christ, this is something that we desire to strive forward to. This is something that we desire to pursue. Now, this phrase, let us hold true, is actually a military term referring to how these Roman soldiers would hold the line in a military conflict. And Paul is saying that believers ought to commit themselves to the unity of a purpose of mind against the flesh, against their desire to sin, by conforming themselves to Christ's likeness. And by doing so, they will know God more. But ultimately, God needs to help us. He needs to aid us to do that. Now, if spiritual endurance requires God's help to keep our minds focused, then ultimately we need to ask for the help. We need to ask God for help to keep our minds focused on Christ. So if you had a hard time letting go of past events in your life, past things that have happened, ask God for help. Pray that God would help you not place such an emphasis on past spiritual achievements so that you can know God in the present. Tell God how hard it is to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged you in the past and ask him for his help to forgive them. And if the desires for the things of this world, whether it be popularity, wealth, or self-image, impair your focus on God, then ask God for help to return your attention to him. Because spiritual endurance to develop requires us to learn how to keep our minds focused on God, but we need his help. We need his aid. That God is the one who ultimately helps us to keep our minds focused on him. So let's move on to the last requirement. What is the last thing that spiritual endurance requires? Well, spiritual endurance requires role models that are focused on knowing Christ. That we need people to serve as examples of what does it look like to pursue a knowledge of God. And we look for those who demonstrate this focus. We seek out those who have a deep intimacy with the Lord, an intimacy that continues to deepen, and we look to them. Spiritual endurance requires role models focused on knowing Christ. Now, we see this requirement when Paul instructs the Philippians to follow his example. Uh, we see this in verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Now, when we hear this verse in verse 17, we may be thinking, well, isn't it arrogant for Paul to command the Philippians to imitate his example? I mean, after all, aren't we supposed to follow Christ? I mean, that's what Paul says earlier in the letter. Have a similar mindset as Christ. And we see that Paul, though, instructs believers to imitate him, not only in this letter, but even the letter to the Thessalonians as well. So what is going on here? Paul is trying to say that as I follow Christ, follow me. That even though I am imperfect, even though I have done some things that are kind of shady in my past, I have a desire to know God, to have a focus on knowing him more deeply, and so follow my example that we follow Paul as much as he is following Christ. Now, we also notice that 
Paul calls the Philippians not only just to imitate him, but also others. Because if you look at verse 17, there's this plural pronoun, us. So Paul calls the Philippians to not just model himself, but others like him. That those who may go through Philippi to preach and to teach and who have a deep desire to know God, Paul is saying, follow their example as well. But why? Why does Paul call upon the Philippians to follow his examples and others like him? Well, there are two reasons. The first reason is that there are bad examples out there. There are some who profess faith in Christ but live unfaithfully. And Paul instructs the Philippians to ignore and lay aside those models, to ignore the models of unfaithful believers. Now look at verse 18. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So these poor models, these models that the Philippians should not follow, are believers that Paul weeps over because even though they may profess faith in Christ, they are not living in accordance to that gospel belief. They are not living according to what they profess. And instead, they indulge and they live according to their own passions. Their focus is on worldly living. They look for ways to live according to their flesh rather than the spirit. Look at verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Now, if you look at the first section of verse 19, you see that, oh, these people are destined for eternal destruction. Now, you may be wondering, well, how does that work? Because aren't believers supposed to be saved? Does that mean a believer can lose his or her salvation? Well, no, because we believe that believers will persevere to the end. But those who profess faith in Christ, they will live faithfully until their death or until Christ returns. So this must mean that the enemies of the cross refers to people who may profess faith in Christ, but in actuality, their profession of faith is suspect. And we really don't know whether or not these individuals are actually saved. And so Paul concludes that they might be unbelievers that are destined for an eternity apart from God. And so how do these enemies of the cross live? Well, there are three attributes in this verse that Paul describes. First is their God is their belly. It means that they live according to their appetites. They exercise no self-control. When they have a desire for a dating relationship, they just jump into a relationship, not thinking about who this person might be, what their family history might be. They just date because they want to date. And they, their desire for a sports car causes them to walk down to the dealership and buy a new Porsche, not thinking about oh, how would this affect my family finances? And their desire to win a client causes them to engage in unethical behavior. They operate according to impulse rather than reason. And they fail to recognize the shamefulness of their behavior. This is why he says they glory in their shame. That rather than feeling shameful for how he may have mistreated past girlfriends, he continues to date impulsively. Rather than feeling shame for squandering family finances, for an impulse sports car purchase, they ask, what's wrong with that? And when they win a client through underhanded means, 
They respond, so what? I got the client. They lack an awareness as well, an awareness of how their decisions affect themselves, and it reveals an earthly focus. This is why Paul writes, with minds set on earthly things. That these unfaithful believers reveal that their minds ultimately are focused on their own wants, their own needs. How can I get what I want, when I want? It's all about me, myself, and I, and it doesn't matter who's affected because I get what I want. And Paul is teaching the Philippians, avoid these examples if you want to learn spiritual endurance. Do not follow them, do not listen to them, ignore their teaching, ignore their lifestyle. So the first reason we need role models focused on knowing Christ is that there's some bad examples out there. But there's also a second reason. We follow examples of those focused on knowing Christ because we are members of God's kingdom. And Paul gives this reason to the Philippians in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now, the Philippians understood something about citizenship because they were a Roman colony. And as a colony of Rome, everyone who lived there were Roman citizens. They have the rights and privileges that are accorded to a Roman citizen. But Paul says, not only are you Roman citizens, but more importantly, you are citizens of heaven. You are members of God's kingdom. And the Philippian church in Philippi serves as an outpost for God. It is an embassy representing the interests of God. And those who have a mind focused on knowing Christ, they anticipate the day when Christ will return. And at his return, he will transform their broken bodies to ultimately be like his, and that the presence of sin will be extinguished, and they will receive bodies that are free from sin, and they will be able to truly and fully know God on that day when everything in creation is subject to Jesus' rule. So if we are citizens of God's kingdom, anticipating the return of Christ, looking forward to his return, then we need to seek out role models that focus on knowing Christ. So there are two reasons why we try and find these role models. Bad role models exist. We are citizens of God's kingdom. So what should we do? We should be able to follow and be searching for these role models to follow after, to adapt their practices, and to look and search for these fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who desire to know God. Now, these role models might be Christian pastors who write, such as Sinclair Ferguson, Tim Keller, John Piper, C.S. Lewis, Augustine, that you read their books, read their articles, you listen to their sermons, and these role models serve as an example of what does it look like to really know Jesus. And these role models are not just written in books, but they also might be in our community as well, that as you spend time with people in your small group or in Sunday school, that you discover that there are people who really want to know Jesus. And you spend time with them. You seek them out. You learn how did they develop that passion for Christ. And this helps you develop a spiritual endurance. So what is required to develop spiritual endurance? Well, first, it requires a mind focused on knowing God. Second, it requires God's help to keep our minds focused. And lastly, it requires role models 
who focus, who have a desire to know Christ. So let me close with the example of endurance from Lord of the Rings, uh, specifically from Return of the King. This is in honor of Jason in his absence, okay? Now, as Sam and Frodo journey through Mordor to destroy the One Ring, uh, Sam is going through a tough time. And so he looks up to the sky and he receives this unexpected comfort. There, peering among, piercing the cloud rack above a dark or high in the mountain, Sam saw a white twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was a light, a high beauty forever beyond its reach. And for the first time in days, Sam was able to curl up to have a deep and untroubled sleep. And he once again had the strength to endure. So when tired times come for us as believers, may the Lord give us a focus on Christ to know him so that we can have the strength to endure. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we live in a broken world where we will face trials and challenges, whether it be in our relationships, our workplaces, or even in our schools, where it's difficult to follow you. May your spirit help us to develop a spiritual endurance to keep our minds focused on Christ, to know him better, so that we would be able to faithfully follow you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.